networking. They say it's easier to make friends than money, and it's easier to make money with friends. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. With us today, we have a real estate investor who's been investing for 17 years. How you doing? Doug Larson. Hey, doing great. Thanks for reaching out, Joe. My pleasure and nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Doug. He is a real estate investor, as I mentioned, for 17 years with 11 of them being full-time. He's done rentals, fix and flips, land, lease options, and he invests in Hawaii, California, and Utah, where he is based in Park City, Utah. And he's bought and sold over 100 properties. So Doug, with that being said, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Late 1990s, I was a college student and working on the traditional path. I saw an infomercial, late night TV, comp and sheets, no money down, make millions while you sleep, you know, the routine. I just thought, you know what? I want to do that. If there's really money to be made there, I want to do it. So ordered the course and read through it like three times and kind of sort of dabbled in it, made some phone calls, probably looked like a fool on the phone. But eventually when I moved back to Southern California, bought a house in uh, South Riverside County. That was my first kind of live-in flip. Lived there for a little over a year, made some money on the resale and thought, you know what, I need to do this on purpose. At the time, I really wanted to move back to Hawaii where I had attended school. And so uh, I went back over there, lived on Maui for five years. And I had a real job, a day job, but on the side, I also did four single-family residents, kind of live-in flips. They were kind of house hacks, and then I also renovated and sold a condo. In 2004, I met and married a wonderful woman from Utah, 
And I decided to move to Utah. I did have some family that lived up here. And I decided to do real estate investing part-time. So the first couple months were a little rough in Utah, just trying to get a feel for the lay of the land. And I actually started investing in the Park City market because it was very similar to Hawaii. Not temperature, but same kind of buyers, same kind of homes. There's their second homes, third homes. You have kind of a retail buyer that's not constrained by the, oh, it's got to qualify for an FHA loan and those kind of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I started investing up there, and it worked out really well after the crash and kind of lift our wounds. And I have uh, branched out into some other spots, even back in California. But it all worked out really well. We lost some money in the downturn, but we did not default on a single property. We just ended up losing a lot of money. <laughs> but we still came out the other side doing okay, and life is good. Right now we're doing mostly rentals, land, a few wholesales. I do two or three flips a year, Utah and California. One's in California I call adventure flips. Why adventure flips? Well, I live in Utah. So to do something out of state, you either have to have a lot of boots on the ground and organize things by phone, or you can go down there. So this last summer, we went down and picked one up uh, about five miles from the beach, north San Diego County in Oceanside. And the whole family came down and we Lived in the property, more like camping, really. But uh, we went to amusement parks and the beach and all that kind of stuff. And we were there for almost three months while I was managing contractors and things. We had a really good time. It was an adventure. What type of condition was the property in? Good condition, just dated. All the cosmetics. I think we spent about $45,000, and probably two-thirds of that was labor with uh, subcontractors. Okay. It was enhancing it. It wasn't anything major. That's interesting that you turned a flip out of state into, as you call it, an adventure flip. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a vacation, but it was an extended road trip with your family. That's pretty cool. I hadn't thought about that. What made you think of bringing the whole fam and moving into the house that you're flipping? Well, before my oldest, who is now 10... Before he was even in kindergarten, we did three fix and flips in the San Diego area while still technically living in Utah. It's just a market that I grew up in. I know it. I understand it. And to be honest, in some of those nicer areas, there's a little more upside. There's people who really appreciate the turnkey. And, you know, maybe for a living, they're doctors or lawyers or something. They don't get their hands dirty. And so they see something turnkey, and they're like, hey, you know what? I know it's. $50,000, $70,000 more than this nasty fixer-upper, you know, down the street. But I'm willing to pay for that because I just want turnkey. I want to move in and not have to worry about stuff. So I really appreciate that in those kind of markets. I saw that in Hawaii, Park City, certain parts of Utah will allow for that. But California, I just love, and it was an excuse to go and visit. I did three of those in 2010-11. The last one sold. The third one sold in 2012. And then we just decided we wanted to do it again. My wife wants to do one in Florida now. I'm Mm. like, okay, honey. (laughs) Maybe we will, but maybe not this summer. We'll see. (laughs) Have you thought of doing the flips based on where you want to spend time? Yeah, absolutely. That's a big criteria. And I've always felt like, and you know, if you've read Four Hour Work Week or the E-Myth, Entrepreneur Myth, or books like that, you know, they talk about, and I don't agree with every little thing in all those books, that uh, you owe it to your business to get to this level or something. But I do like the fact that they talk about Your business works for you and not the other way around. Make sure that it fits your lifestyle and the things that you really want to do in life instead of your business owning you. So there's a lot of things that I think I've done, properties that I've bought that that help with kind of a lifestyle design and not just, oh, well, this make me money. You have to work yourself to the bone. 
Well, adventure flips, and I'm going to keep using that term because I like that term. Adventure flips is one way of having your business work for you and not the other way around. What are some other ways you structured your business to align with that? I would say the move to Hawaii in the first place and the kind of lifestyle that I had over there was certainly conducive to that. As they say in Hawaii, any time off is time in Hawaii. And so everybody has to have a job still. You know, everybody works and they're bustling around and doing things. But, hey, if you got two hours off, you're at the beach in Hawaii. Things I've done here in Utah, uh, Park City, there's kind of a couple neat condos up there that have quarter share rentals, almost like a timeshare, but they're quarter share. So you get 13 weeks. And I was able to purchase oh, about five of those different times over the last 10 years. They have day use privileges. So they were an investment, but we can also go up there. And I've made money on all of them except one. But collectively, I've made money more than that money would have made sitting in the bank. But they're between forty and sixty thousand dollars for these quarter share units. But you get access to this five star resort. They've got owners' lounges and full kitchens. They've got pools and hot tubs, sauna, steam room, and you can go up there and just spend the day like you own the place. But you can also get the revenue from renting the property out. So you just use their management system, and it's a pretty hands-off thing. I also own some recreational property quite a bit east of here, about an hour and a half east. And we go out there. We've got a couple little mini cabins. We spend time with family, extended family, and, and play with quads and go fishing and stuff like that. And, again, I think those are good investments, maybe not as good as some other investments, but they help the overall freedom and lifestyle factor. They give you some fun, and it's not just drudgery. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned some of those specific examples for the quarter shares, which I haven't come across that term, but you said it's just like timeshares, but you rent by the week, right? You get a quarter share of a unit. So you actually own 13 weeks and they have a schedule and they say, these are your 13 weeks. Your weeks come up around Christmas time. Those are the golden weeks and you get up rents for your unit. Christmas and New Year's also a President's Day weekend because it's a ski resort. It's kind of a unique kind of a timeshare, but I'm only buying these resale. I would never buy one retail because there's just too many commissions and other things involved, but you buy these on the secondary market, and they actually work out for a decent investment. The return on investment might be 5% per year, but if it's incorporated into your lifestyle and the money's doing more than just sitting in the bank at, what, half a percent these days, then, I don't know, that's good to me. And it can really help to give you some more fun, freedom, adventure, rather than, again, just, they say toilets and termites and yeah for someone who is interested in doing quarter shares you said three of them have worked out well enough but one of them you lost money what's the difference between the three and the one i think there was actually five total i remember i bought two at one point from a bank that was selling some after they foreclosed and i think one did not we lost about seven thousand on that one the only reason why we lost is because we sold it I really needed to raise some capital for something else, and I could either borrow at hard money terms or I could sell one of these units. It was somebody that had said they were interested, and I said, oh, what the heck, I'll just sell that. So I did. So we lost a few grand on it. But, you know, again, vacation money. (laughs) And the other one, if you average them all together, we came out ahead. My wife's on board. Anytime we make sense, we can probably go buy another one. But, you know, we'll see how it goes and how it fits into our lives. I've got three kids now, so just little jumps, 45 50 minutes up the road to go hang out at the resort or live different, especially now with a baby. So quite the same as it was just a couple years ago. The recreational property, you called that an investment where you have a couple cabins. So I assume you rent those out? I don't actually. I just let friends and family stay there. 
So they're not income producing, but sent out letters to people who had property on water, that had a really nice stream out there. And I actually got responses. I sent maybe 20 letters. I got responses from about five people and said they were interested. And I said, oh, what the heck? So uh, I bought five different parcels that all are kind of in a similar area and they've got water access and good fishing and hiking and biking and off-roading and things like that. And so eventually we'll probably market those. I think a couple weeks ago you had somebody on that, that talked about investing in uh, raw land. And I was very intrigued by his method of doing it, but I figured out a way that it works for me. So. Are those five parcels connected? No. So actually, two of them are connected to each other. The rest of them are not, but they're within five miles of each other. Okay. What'd the letter say? Probably your standard thing. Hey, I'm interested in buying your property. I see you own this five-acre piece. I'd like to get something on the water like yours is. Here's what I can pay. I don't even think I said can't pay retail. I just said, here's what I can pay for your property. And then, you know, they call back. I actually got one person who called them was very irate. <laughs> but anybody who sends out letters knows that. I don't do a lot of wholesale letters and cards and yellow letters and things like that and other things. But I knew what I wanted and looked up the tax records and just sent some things out. And I'm glad I only offended one person. You put the amount that you're willing to pay in the letter so every letter was different? I think I said per acre. And so oh. I bought one's a four acre, one's a five, one's a 10, one's a 12 and a half. And so I just said, here's what I'm willing to do. And then I had him call me back. What I was hoping is that maybe some of them said, oh, by the way, I own this one next door or my neighbor next door might be willing to sell as well or something like that. So they could kind of have a, something they could pass along. But I think I said uh, per acre, this was a couple of years ago. And like I said, I had a, a pretty decent response. There's a lot of uh, don't-wanters as far as property goes, especially if they're delinquent on their taxes or they're just getting old and they just don't have a use for this property anymore. Mm -hmm. You send it out to roughly 20 and you got five responses? Yes. You can say six if you count that swore at me. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely got six responses. When someone calls irate and they just are laying into you, what do you say to them? I say, wow, sorry I offended you. I didn't mean to do that. Just looking for some recreational property for me and my family. And if you ever do change your mind, <laughs> certainly give me a call back. <laughs> and then what do they say? I can't even remember. I don't think yeah. he was still very happy. <laughs> Got it. So the five people that called you interested, you bought all five of their properties? I did, all five. I see a good potential for resale on these properties and making some money. I did have some ideas about improving them with mini cabins as well, but I've just gotten so involved in other things, I haven't taken that to full fruition. But it's one of those things. It doesn't help. You know, some extra legacy properties in the meantime, hopefully appreciation of the asset in the meantime, and we'll just see how it goes. What do you attribute having a 25% response rate to on that direct mail? Again, I think if you find the right motivated sellers and you push those buttons, you're going to do well. I know that's the case when wholesalers talk about their mailings. And I attended a meeting very recently where one wholesaler said that he sends out 125,000 pieces of mail every month. And it's, uh, we'll buy your home, we'll buy in any condition and those kind of things. And they get a 2 or 3% response rate, 2 or 3 with houses. And the people who do call are motivated. Out there, I would say, you know, these properties are not bringing in any income. They are mostly older people who've owned them for a long time. I didn't necessarily look at tax records 
as a stipulation, but there were a couple of them once I pulled all the information up and I thought, oh, they're delinquent a year or two. So they're probably getting tired of owning it. And sure enough, those are some of the ones that did respond back and said, yeah, it's an offer. I'd be willing to sell. If they're not paying their taxes and their taxes are $100 a year, then they could probably use a couple thousand dollars, right? Yeah, exactly. How did you determine how much you were going to pay per acre? Just comps, sold comps. There's a lot of properties for sale, but there might have been a dozen similar properties that had actually sold. And I just said, okay, well, if that's what I can get it for, then I'm going to reduce it by about half and see if I can get the properties for that. You looked at sold comps by the acre, and then you divided it by two, and that was what you were offering? That's right. Of those five people you closed on, how many of the five did you pay above that 50% threshold? I don't think any. One of them negotiated with you and you didn't budge with any of them? I didn't budge. A couple of them asked for a little bit more and I just said, well, I'll take a look at it. And I was pretty firm on my prices. I just said, here's what I need to pay. And I really like your property. I never insult anybody about their property. I never say, oh, it's a piece of junk because of this or that. I just say, hey, I really like it. And that's what I'm willing to pay. Doug, based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say networking. They say it's easier to make friends than money, and it's easier to make money with friends. And so by friends, you don't have to be the guys that you're hanging out every weekend or something. But when you network at real estate clubs and when you're online at some of the forums and you're making connections and contacts, people begin to see what you're really like and they know you, like you, trust you, and you can make deals happen. So most of my other deals, you know, my rentals and flips, it's about relationships. So I don't really have to search very hard to find deals. I'm not out shaking the trees very much because a lot of deals just seem to come my way as long as I'm networking and talking to people and telling people, hey, I'm looking for a rental right now under 150000 I want to be all in with repairs at 160, but it needs to rent for about 1% of purchase price, like $1,600 a month. And it can be anywhere from this point to this point, this city to this city. I'm also looking for flips and I'll go up to 350 or $400,000 on purchase price. So long as there's $100,000 margin. And as long as you're specific like that, you get in front of somebody's face and say, here's what I'm looking for. Eventually stuff just comes your way. If you're at a real estate meetup, that you are attending for the first time, you walk in the door, what's your approach at the meetup? Good one. I think everybody is kind of like, hi, hey, what do you do? Hey, what's your specialty? Hey, what are you looking for? What can I help you with? And that's kind of my MO as well. I come loaded with business cards and sometimes I'll circle a couple things. A business card says, I buy land. I also like fix and flips. I might actually write in pen on 20 business cards specifically what I'm looking for. Want to buy now under 350 flip. And almost like they took my card and wrote something on it uh, Uh for them to remember later. You get a million business cards, right? But as you're going back through your pockets when you clean them out, you're like, oh, oh, here's this guy. Oh, what what was he looking for? Oh, it's right here. Mm -hmm. And then they can go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I do remember this guy. And he did tell me that's what he was looking for. That's a great tip. Thanks for sharing that. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, man. Let's do it. Sweet. All right. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? 
Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Previous best ever guest, Paul Moore, has a book and it's called The Perfect Investment Create Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to Multifamily Housing. If you're ready to profit from this unprecedented shift, then go get the book. It's on Amazon or Paul's website, WellingsCapital.com. What's the best ever book you've read? Do I have to pick just one? Um, <laughs> you'll kill, you'll I, I kill the I'm, format I'm, of my show if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Millionaire Next Door, Progress Paradox, and How Much is Enough. Okay, I'm sorry, that was three. You said it so fast. So give me one. <laughs> How about the Progress Paradox? All right, I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> What's the best ever deal you've done? I think in 2011, I was down in San Diego, and I was working on that, one of those adventure flips I mentioned. And a real estate agent up here in Utah called me and said, hey, I've got this deal. It's a land deal. I would totally buy it, but I'm a little tapped out on cash right now, and they need cash and a quick close. Bank-owned property, $50,000. It just dropped from 100 It's a vacant piece of dirt. And I said, oh, send me the info. I sent it. I ended up buying it for 38 A little bit of legwork. found out some of its issues. They wanted a pulp study, and they wanted some other surveying and things like that. Long story short, got all those things cleared up. I was all in for about $40,000, sold it a year and a half later for one ninety. So pretty good flip. Pretty good flip indeed. Love that. What's the best ever way you like to give back? My wife and I have been adopted three times by three awesome kids, and we give a lot of time and energy to them. We're also pretty active in church and helping and teaching adults and youth, so pretty much takes up all our time. What's the biggest mistake you've made on a deal, or just any mistake that comes to mind on a deal? On a deal. Wow. A specific deal, probably over-improving. Biggest mistake was believing the hype of 2002 to 2006 and that things were always going to go up. I think we all knew the music would stop somewhere, but just not how fast and how hard things would drop. I would say one particular deal, in buying into that hype, I invested in a condo up in Park City, and the wheels fell off during construction, and I could either lose, I think it was 25000 earnest money, or just go all in. I went all in, and I lost, I think it was close to 90000 What do you do differently now? <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't buy that. That's pretty good. <laughs> Again, it really is all about the numbers and good, solid fundamentals. Make sure you've got cash flow. Make sure you've got a plan A, plan B, plan C. The plan A, if it's going to be a flip, is great. If that doesn't work out, can you rent it? Can you lease option it? Do you want to live in it, maybe? What is your plan B? Plan C is, if I really had to get out of this thing really fast, what's my lowest price? Am I going to lose my shorts? What are the other options? Can I wholesale it to somebody else? What are the other things? So just have that all mapped out before you begin. If you know the fundamentals, it should tell you what to do. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Doug? On LinkedIn, but I don't really go there much. I'll be honest, I'm on bigger pockets, and uh, I'm there at least a couple times a week. I've given some advice and talking to people, and if somebody wants to find me, they can find me there. I've really enjoyed our conversation. As the focus has been, like you said earlier, your business has to work for you, not the other way around, and how we talked about your adventure flips where you move your family for three months into a house five minutes from the beach. 
the move to Hawaii, the recreational property, the direct mail within that, how you acquired those five properties, and how you priced it out to offer the properties and the direct mail piece, as well as a networking tip where you write in blue ink on the business card exactly what you're looking for. So, Jug, thank you for being on the show. Some interesting stuff, different type of conversation than we usually have, and I've really enjoyed it. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, Joe. Good talking with you. Previous best ever guest, Paul Moore, has a book, and it's called The Perfect Investment, Create Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to Multifamily Housing. If you're ready to profit from this unprecedented shift, then go get the book. It's on Amazon or Paul's website, wellingscapital.com.